This podcast is brought to you by Eisner Award-winning comic book store, Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. And listeners like you, head to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click donate or check us out at Patreon backslash TwoHeadedNerd. Our story this week picks up where we left off last week. Broadcasting from the Ziggurat in Omaha and caverns deep below the metro area, it is episode 671 of the Two-Headed Nerd comic book podcast. I am your head number one. My name is Matt Baum, and I cannot decide which of this week's comics are the biggest event of the summer, Joe. Marvel vs. Fortnite or Rob Field's Profit Remastered. And I'm your head number two, the internet's Joe Patrick. And let's not forget, Mad Balls versus Garbage Pail Kids hit the stands today. It's all happening. My God. Now, uh, <laughs> I, I did almost pick Profit Remastered for my reviews this week. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, you know, just for fun. In this dangerously overheated episode, Matt and I are putting ice packs in our pants to stay cool while we review a pile of new comics from the last two weeks. After that, we'll talk about our must-read picks for next week, and then you'll get a sneak peek at our Patreon Extra segment that you can hear in full when you support this stupid show for as little as one dollar. This time, the comic pushers have their first digital assignment. It's all happening now, and it starts with review time in the cigarette! When it comes to new comics, we review them two weeks at a time, and this time we start with New Comic Book Wednesday, July 13th, and then jump to today, July 20th. As always, we'll be using our purposefully obtuse rating system of buy it, skim it, or leave it, a system with way too many caveats. This time, our review pile is squirming with X-Men Prom, two different flavors of Westerns, talking axes, and more Eternals than you may care for, but it all starts with the return of the Daredevils to their own monthly title. That's right. Talking about Daredevil number one, it happened last week. It came out from Marvel, and it cost $4.99. It was written by Chip Zdarsky with art by Marco Cicchetto. Here is your solicit. An all-new era of Daredevil starts here! After the shocking events of Devil's Reign, what's left of Daredevil? Who lived, who died, and who is left to pick up the pieces? Chip Zdarsky and his superstar collaborator, Marco Cicchetto, turn their gaze to a future full of peril and pain in this dash, the explosive beginning of an all-new era for Hell's Kitchen's guardian devil and the most important Daredevil issue of the year. Until next month. In the wake of Devil's Reign, Matt is feeling great. He's better adjusted than he's ever been, and he's loving life in New York City. Of course, I'm kidding. This is Daredevil we're talking about. So <laughs> Matt, once again, is off the rails and getting ready to leave New York City and launch a war against the hand with the help of Elektra and an old friend that we haven't seen in quite a while. This creative team has been killing it on Daredevil for a few years now, so I was very happy to see them come back for more. Sure. You could make the argument that this is just more slowly ruin Matt's life until he breaks and goes nuts, then comes out the other end okay, rinse and repeat storytelling. But Zdarsky has managed to keep the formula very fresh, and this new direction, while it does appear to set Daredevil on a collision course with Jason Aaron's Ninja Punisher, 
who is currently running the hand. It's still Punisher fresh. is not Punisher is not a ninja. He's just <laughs> running the ninjas. Yeah. Well, and the ninjas called him out last issue. They were straight up like, dude, you're not a ninja. <laughs> so they're in the same place I am. That's a whole different discussion. I'm this, not sure why you're even reading it, but okay. This still feels fresh, and I love Matt and Electra working together. I don't know what else to say about Chichetto's art other than he keeps improving, which is insane because his pencils on Devil Rain were the best I've ever seen from him. Somehow, this looks even better. He just keeps getting better. At this point, I hope these guys never stop torturing Matt Murdock. I am giving this a buy it. Yeah, I mean, torture Matt Telly goes crazy, rinse, repeat. Like, hi, I'd like to... I'd like to introduce you to the last 50 years worth of Daredevil <laughs> stories. Much. Well, I mean, there was several, so. yeah, there was a lot of gold and silver or silver age stuff where he was just kind of a nice guy. And then they got rid of that. <laughs> so. yeah, no, I'm talking about after that. Like, I mean, Frank Miller stuff is uh, okay. I guess 40, um, 40 plus years ago. Okay. Um, but yeah, uh, this is, of course it's, it's great. Um, I, I will say that you don't really need to have read devil's reign. No. Um, it, it sets you up with everything you need to know. Uh, you don't even need to have really read the last run of daredevil. This is, um, this is a, a new number one and yeah, it picks up from what came before, but I thought it was a fresh start. Um, I thought that the split, uh, splitting the narrative between Matt and Electra was really smart. Yeah, uh, and I liked kind of Matt's farewell tour to New York City uh, with with Spider Man. That was really nice. Oh man, the Spider Man moments. Oh my god, I miss yeah. those. <laughs> I miss. You know those. what? Uh, yeah, I loved this, and uh, it's a buy it for me. It's beautiful. It's it's Daredevil at its best. This a private party. Daredevil, where you? Elise's friend Murdoch asked me to keep an eye on you. Now, Joe Patrick, this next one you build as a supernatural weapon. Western. It kind of just turned out to be a Western. So I want to see where you came down on this. <laughs> well, we don't know. You know, we don't know. Yeah, we don't know. Uh, of course, Matt is talking about Above Snakes number one from Image Comics. It's written by Sean Lewis with art by Hayden Sherman. Uh, and I hope he doesn't expect me to do all that yelling because it's too damn hot in here to do that. Coward. It's the miniseries premiere. The hit team behind The Few and Thumbs returns with an all-new wild-as-hell miniseries. Writer Sean Lewis from King Spawn and artist Hayden Sherman from Wasted Space and rock star letterer Hassan Otsmane Alaho. Alaho, sorry. <laughs> Introduce a world where Deadwood-style westerns collide with the fantasia of Neil Gaiman in the story of Dirt. A man seeking vengeance for his murdered wife with nothing but a talking vulture to prod him on. I mean, I hate to break it to you, but talking vultures are supernatural. Well, I mean, Above Snakes is a fast and furious it. explosion. We'll see. <laughs> I don't know. Above, we'll see. Above Snakes is a fast and furious explosion of Western tropes and American vengeance that explores where our rage can take us. Now, I've really enjoyed Lewis and Sherman's previous work on Thumbs and The Few, so I was definitely on board to check out their latest collabo. Above Snakes looks completely unlike anything they've done before. Sherman has traded in his monochromatic palette for one full of hypersaturated, almost neon colors, which lends a wonderful sense of unreality to a series that could have stood alongside similar Western tales, if not for the presence of a talking ghost bird. <laughs> This is a revenge western on steroids. I love the little twists that Lewis adds to the genre, like the fact that gunslingers seeking revenge are so commonplace that they have formed a loose-knit community. <laughs> Almost like, uh, like, you know, like a, uh, 
like a nationwide uh, community of uh, like CB radio enthusiasts. <laughs> it's like they're club, all like maybe yes, <laughs> yeah. Dirt is not a good man, but he stumbles into doing the right thing on his righteous quest. Speck, the ghost vulture, whispering in Dirt's ear. I, not, I will grant you, may or may not be imaginary. Yeah. It's hilarious. Demanding that he ventilate his enemies with additional buttholes. <laughs> uh, I can't say enough about Sherman's art. Uh, his gangly, exaggerated characters fit beautifully in a technicolor landscape that somehow still feels barren and lifeless. Above Snakes number one is another winner from the team of Sean Lewis and Hayden Sherman. Don't pass it up. Huge buy it. Yeah. If you need to scratch your Jonah Hex itch, here you go. This is great. Yeah. It's absolutely gorgeous. The art reminded me, and like, I don't know the name of the artist, but like there's this famous old timey, like cowboy Western painter that would paint like cowboys on bulls and stuff. And like in these beautiful, like crazy colorful, like watercolor backgrounds. Yeah, no, like, I know what you mean. I know who you mean. This I don't know his name either. Just but. stunningly colored. It looked amazing. And the art was like chunky and mean as the story. This is a great Western. I really enjoyed it. And even if it doesn't get any more supernatural than this, I'm still in Buy it. Yeah, like if it, if he's just hallucinating the bird, then like nothing is lost. No, no. Um, but like the idea that he's got the, this bird talking to him and telling him to do vile things is very funny to me. Well, they may have brought him back from the dead. I don't know. Oh, well, that might be it, right? Like he had a near-death experience yeah. and now he's not quite right. And exactly. hence the hallucinations. Yeah, one of two things. He either came back or from the dead. Or he came back from the dead with a ghost bird. Or he thinks he came back from the dead. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. From Talking Birds, we move to Talking Axes with Barbaric, the Harvest Blades. It's a one-shot. It's from Vault. It only costs $5.99. It's written by Michael Morrissey with art by Robert Wilson IV. Here's your solicit. Like a punch in the privates, Barbaric is back. Bloodier and more irreverent than ever. In this one-shot, Owen the Barbarian is cursed to do good. He is Owen. forced out of hiding and <laughs> that back. That will never not make me laugh. I know. Back into his old BS. A whole bunch of violence, ethically approved, of course, by his moral compass, the talking axe. Find out for yourself why Entertainment Weekly, Thrillist, Screen Rant, and THN, and a whole bunch of other people called Barbaric, one of the best comics of 2021. If you haven't read Barbaric, you should. I reviewed the first issue of book one back in THN episode 626, and I loved this story of a barbarian cursed with a talking axe only he can hear that forces him to only kill for the cause of good. It's irreverent. It's ridiculously violent fantasy storytelling. It's in the vein of Dungeons and Dragons. I could not love it more. Here, Morrissey cleverly puts the barbarian in a moral gray area where he's forced into helping a, quote, knighted prince who doesn't feel he should have to do his own dirty work, but technically needs help. So the act says, let's look into the situation and see how this plays out. The script is just as fun as the first series, digging deeper into the rules of the weird curse and introducing some new characters to flesh out this world in the first of several one-shots that are going to set up book two. This is by no means an art complaint. Wilson is very good here and, and brings some good humor to the panels. I did miss series artist Nathan Gooden's more detailed yes, style thank, a little bit. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Wilson is very solid, though. It, he sort of brings more of a slice-of-life indie comic style to the story, but it still works. It's, uh, okay. 
Disagree, but we'll get there. Okay. I'll, I'll take get my chance. I'll take more of this barbaric, the axe, and Morrissey's morally confusing fantasy world any way I can get it. I'm giving this a buy it. Yes. Uh, like, first off, yes, this is a buy it. This is a very good comic. I love the barbaric as well. Um, and I do think that Wilson's art is very good. Yeah. Do I think it works? I don't know if I do. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it fits this kind of story. Uh, that which again is not to say that he's not really good at drawing giant bats. No, but and like that, I kind of avoided that because I felt like, well, are these my rules? Am I putting my rules on fantasy? No, now? look, art is art is subjective, man. Like, yeah. it, what else are we doing if not judging how we feel about the art? Like, I, I, it's again, it's not that I think the art is bad. I don't know if it is a good match for a a concept like barbaric. Uh, but again, your mileage may vary. Yeah, and um, may, maybe that's how I felt. Uh, that's how I felt when I read it, and I was like, "Man, I wish the original guy was drawing this." Maybe the criticism is Gooden did such a great job on that first chapter, fleshing out the world, that somebody a little closer to that style would have made it feel. The styles a don't match. Yeah, like, the styles that, don't match. I'll like, say that again. Like I, I, I can't. I'm going to say this hopefully for the final time. The art is good. But the styles don't mesh. Yes. The style doesn't mesh the style of the story. It doesn't mesh with the style of the original artist. And so it looks out of place. Like, you tell me that this is a barbaric comic, and my my assumptions get the better of me, right? And I think, oh, I know what I'm getting myself into. And then I looked at it, and I'm like, oh, wait, this isn't, this isn't the same. Not bad, just different in a way that I thought maybe didn't work as well. Um... But the story is wonderful. I love the I love the idea that like you got used as a tool of the ruling class to do terrible things. So technically you are following the law, but ethically and morally you are not in the right. And this woman seeking revenge on these tiefling assholes, <laughs> you should probably just like follow her lead. Well, this and the one- act. They and sort the of follow like, the dude. They, I don't know. Yeah, they sort of follow the formula where like the axe doesn't totally know the curse either, but the word of the curse goes this way. So until such time yeah. that the true ethics of the situation are presented, right, 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 we will do what we think we're supposed to do, and then we'll go. Oh shit, our bad. And right. <laughs> and it turns it. out I should have been axing the other uh, right. the other guys. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, this is this is great. Uh, it's a buy. I, I really enjoyed it. Let's trade in our loincloths for our formal attire, Matt. It's time for the Hellfire Gala 2022. X-Men Hellfire Gala number one from Marvel Comics, written by Jerry Duggan, art by Chris Anka, Russell Dowderman, Matteo Lully, and C.F. Villa. That's four artists, and that will come up later. Here's your solicit. New team revealed. At last year's gala, mutants changed the face of the solar system, terraforming Mars and claiming it for mutant kind. Do you think you can afford to miss this year's gala, all contained in this one oversized issue? The solicit asks a damn good question, and I'm here to tell you that the answer is no. Following the recent bombshells of Moira's betrayal and the revelation of mutant immortality to the world, Krakoa needs more allies and goodwill than ever before. Unfortunately, the Hellfire Gala is probably the worst place to find them. Hell, last year there was a murder, sort of. 
Kind of. Jerry, I mean, yeah, for, yeah. Barely, I would say. Jerry, right. Jerry Duggan does a fantastic job weaving subplots from the main X titles together to propel the story forward, and the upheaval is great enough that it's hard to see how this isn't moving forward with Hickman's overall plan. Perhaps Hickman's overall plan is way more out there than we thought, and these huge shifts in, in like, the whole Moira situation and the resurrection pro like maybe there's wiggle room in that, which seems crazy to me because those looked like the bedrock upon which this arrow were built. I don't know. I mean that, or it's just Duggan and Gillen are like, is it okay if we run with this part? And he went, sure. <laughs> you know, I like, I don't know. I guess we'll see. We'll yeah. see. But like, you can't, there's no denying it. Things are moving way forward. With oh yeah. X titles. Oh yeah. I've been on a tear catching up on these X titles lately, and I've really grown to love Duggan's contribution to the line. Uh, this is another example of his expert ability to juggle a huge cast of very different characters with ease, spreading the focus around so no one feels shortchanged, while also being mindful of driving the plot forward. Uh, the art is all over the place. Thanks to four credited artists, but none of it is bad. Yeah. Um, Russell Dowderman gets a chance to shine in the scene that reveals the new X-Men's lineup, which is fitting since he's been the gala's lead designer for two years running. I will say this though, and I forgot to write it in my review. Uh, the real life cameos are just a distraction and I wish they'd stop it. It's dumb. I don't need it. It takes me right I, like, out of I it. I don't need to see, I don't need to time. see Brian Posehn and, and John Hamm and Eddie from Iron Maiden. Yeah. Like, I don't need that kind of crap. Even Eddie from Iron Maiden, I'll take because he's not a real person. <laughs> but, sure. Uh, yeah. Know, but I don't need John it, Hamm there. No, it's dumb. No. It, it, and like, it's weird. I can always tell. I can always tell when it's supposed to be a real person, even if I can't always identify that person. Sure. Because there's something different about the way that they're drawn. And every time I saw it in this issue, I was like, that's a person. That's a person. Yeah. And it's distracting. Last year's party spread through an entire line of books, which may have been daunting if you weren't interested in the whole shebang. This year, the entire Hellfire Gala is focused into one knockout punch, and it is a must-read for anyone invested in the ongoing saga on Krakoa. It is a buy-it. Okay, let me ask you. Did you find the vote part where they were like, Picking the characters for the team. Did you find that a little weird? I didn't really get what was going on. Because they were like, there's going to be a vote. And now we're going to introduce, like, the candidates or whatever. And, like, the Scarlet Witch is going to do it. And she sort of has this Pokemon moment where she's like, who wants to be on the X-Men? And Iceman's like, me. And she's like, you're voted in. <laughs> like, are we voting? Like, um, I didn't so quite understand what was happening. <laughs> So if you compare it to last year's Hell Hellfire Gala one shot, the vote happens psychically. Like they they nominate, like they they throw their hat into the ring, right? They, they and then everybody just like they, instantly votes yes or no. Yeah, it kind of it happens like okay. it happens psychically very quickly, so that like the human guests don't really know what's going on. Okay. Um, and so yeah, it's like the people that want to be an X-Man make themselves known and then the citizens of the island vote. Okay, see, I didn't quite- and it all happens in, like, no time. I didn't quite get that and it sort of came off of this I choose it's not, you, Pikachu uh, well, moment. This, yeah, you know? uh, this, being, this being one issue, it's not quite spelled out as, as much, but right. if you read, like, um, if you read uh, specifically the tie-ins, I, I, and I happen to know this just because I've been on this tear, 
But if you if you go back and read the tie ins in many of the books, you will see the scenes where the character from this book wants to be an X-Man. Okay. And they're like, and then, and like, you know, they throw their name in the Goblet of Fire and it. If you're not turns, caught up on everything and you're yeah. just like reading a mortal X-Men, X-Men, you know, and then you pick this up, you might go, blah, blah, blah. okay. But there are no, <laughs> there are no tie-ins to this is no, what there, I'm saying. There were no so, tie-ins. Like, so the, I, the, the X-Men vote scenes, like there, there's none of that in the other books, but that's how the vote is done. Is like, it's a, it's a psychic nomination, psychic vote. And it's all pretty much. Into, I was, I was a little confused. I do like yeah. the team in the end. I think it's I like be the fun. team a lot. I like yeah. the fire and ice thing with Firestar I like and Ice Man. Forge is there. More Forge is always Forge good. Forge is very interesting on the team. That's fun. Uh, and I love Havoc. I'm yeah. Sorry. I, I love, love Havoc. Havoc and I love Scott mess. and Havoc together. That should be great. And so we're having a lot of fun with the X-Men. It was another fun gala. I Like you said, we didn't need the normal people being in there. It just takes you out of it. Don't do it. Fight that urge, guys. I mean, I get it. It's just cute. Fight it. It's fun. But I, I, put I, fake stars there or whatever. And we get sure. it. We get it. Really good. I don't mind having multiple artists like this when they're all this great. It's a buy it for me. Jumping to this week and another team that you don't necessarily get a vote. You just get forced on to. It's Defenders yeah. Beyond. Number one from Marvel. It's $3.99. This was written by Al Ewing with art by Javier Rodriguez. Here's your solicit. Al Ewing and Javier Rodriguez. I just talked about them. Follow up their acclaimed Defenders. There are no rules series with a new volume and an all new lineup, including none other than Loki, God of Stories, when Doctor Strange sends a dire warning from beyond the grave. Blue Marvel, America Chavez, Taya, who's Galactus's mom. <laughs> Galactus's mom, yeah. Yeah. Tigra and Loki assembled to defend reality itself. Plus, you won't believe who shows up on the final page. Yeah. Unless you, Unless you saw, saw the any of the variant covers. <laughs> Which I did not. So I was a little yeah. blown away. Yeah. Let's get the obligatory. Matt doesn't like the defenders out of the way. There. I've never cared about the team. Although our comic historian Jason Sachs swears I just haven't read the right stuff. It turns out there are exceptions to every rule. And Al Ewing is capable of writing a pretty solid yet wacky and magic defender story in the vein of the stuff that I'm sure Jason would like me to read. Ewing also loves Blue Marvel as a character, and this is a perfect use for him. Leading the team that's not a team and reminding them the whole time, we're not a team, we're the Defenders. <laughs> I admit, yeah. I got a little confused as to which Loki this is, even after the editor's notes spelled it out for me, but I love the way they're written here as this gender bending their way through time and space. It's like there's not a lot That's of rules thing, for this Loki. It's, it's the Loki from a dead universe, right? right. It's Or something like that. It's the, it it's the Loki secret? of an alternate universe that didn't survive. From Secret War? Is what they said? Yes, it's the Loki from one of the alternate worlds from Secret Wars. Okay. And um, yeah, that somehow... That this Loki somehow survived, but it's not our Loki. Well, the Doctor Strange had explained like this is how the defenders work. It grabs whoever the universe grabs whoever they need. Whoever and, from wherever. And you like, defend his mom's universe. not from this universe either. Right. Javier Rodriguez is too good. He is filling a void left by Darwin Cook with his amazing pop art style, and I don't know anyone else that could pull off Ewing's insane script and make it look this damn awesome. I'm still not going to call myself a Defenders fan, but as long as his team is on the book, I am not missing an issue. I'm giving this a buy it. I think you're protesting too much because the whole point of the Defenders is they are not one thing. I get it. That, like you're, It's like what you're saying is like, I don't like comic books about comic book characters. No, I'm saying I've never like cared about... The defenders until I understand now. that up and <laughs> I, I understand that you have not cared about the previous iterations of the defenders, but the 
beauty of the defenders is that they are completely different every time they uh, come back. Got it. And so like it might be called defenders, but it could easily be called anything else. Sure. And I wouldn't and, have liked it. <laughs> oh, shut up. Oh my God. Uh, yeah, this is great. Javier, uh, Yes, Javier Rodriguez is just a friggin' dynamo. Oh, unbelievable. Uh, and Al Ewing is clearly having the time of his life. Like, I love the the last spell cast by Doctor Strange before his death is, like, plucking people from the ether with a magical tarot deck and blue Marvel is fighting it the whole time. And he's like, we're not doing this. I'm not doing this. I don't want to do this. <laughs> like stop doing this. And the spell is just like, no, yeah, he's like, I don't like magic. I can't believe yeah. your final spell is still a jerk. <laughs> you know? yeah. uh, it's, it's, it's so good. It's so good. It's so fun. It's so weird and wild and wacky. And yeah, the last page with the uh, surprise quote unquote, how did I not uh, see that coming? Like they literally like they came out like they came out and they were like check like two months ago when they solicited number one they were like check out all the variant covers and you'll never guess who's on them yeah it's this guy it, it wasn't a secret it's even in the name of the comic okay come on don't give, don't give him that much come on just all in right, case somebody's not paying attention come on now. I will say I had headphones on and what and while I was reading this last night and Casey's watching a show and I got to the last page and out loud went oh come on. <laughs> Like, this is what we're doing. <laughs> I can't believe you're surprised. And the outfit. Uh, yeah, Woo. it's a buy. <laughs> Smoking outfit, too. Well, Matt doesn't care about the Defenders, and I don't care about the Eternals, but here we are. It's. Yeah, I know. It's AXE. That stands for Avengers X-Men Eternals Judgment Day number one from Marvel Comics. Important distinction. It is not A versus X versus E. It's just AXE. It's also $5.99. Thank you. I like I didn't write down any prices because I thought you gave up doing that. So. No, that was just on the old books. On the new ones, I was saying, like, here's your price. It's written by Kieran Gillen with art by Valerio Schiti and Marte Gracia. Here's your solicit. In the land of the righteous dot, dot, dot. The X-Men claim they're the planet's new gods. The Eternals know that position is already filled. The Avengers are about to realize exactly how many secrets their so-called friends have kept from them. Years of tension lead to a volcanic eruption as two worlds burn. Who has leaked the X-Men's secrets to their latest foes? Why is Tony Stark abducting an old friend? And who stands in judgment over the whole world? Judgment Day from Karen Gillan and Valerio Schiti is the apocalyptic emotional event to define the summer. Emotional, huh? All right. Apocalyptic emotional is not really <laughs> a phrase. It's not... I mean, you could thing, have a, yeah, you could have an apocalypse of emotions, I guess. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess if you should maybe put a, a comma in there, like you're separating two adjectives. Apocalyptic, emotional. Yeah. You know? After a less than successful lead-in issue last week, AXE gets its official start here, and I am happy to report that it's a lot more exciting. <laughs> Deciding that the now immortal mutant race represent a threat that challenges the eternal directive to correct excess deviation, Prime Eternal Druig, spoilers if you haven't been reading Eternals, he's the Prime Eternal now, has chosen to wipe human, uh, pardon me, has chosen to wipe them all from the face of the solar system. Naturally, a move that big can't escape the attention of Earth's mightiest heroes or Krakoa's resident precog destiny, and all three groups prepare for war. Unfortunately, Druig is used to dealing with issues on a galactic scale, and it seems like our heroes don't stand much of a chance. 
It's a great setup, and Gillen does an admirable job juggling three large casts of very different characters. The issue that I have with the Eternals is that I don't find them very interesting as lead characters, which is why their ongoing series and last week's Eve of Judgment fell flat for me. Here, the Eternals are split between being villains and being allies, and the story is much stronger for them sharing the spotlight. The art by Skeety and Gracia is really the star here. Their sharp lines and brilliant colors keep each crowded page clean and dynamic. There's a reason why things like the Eve of Judgment special aren't treated as part of the main event. I decided to give Axe Judgment Day another shot, and I'm glad I did. I'm giving it a buy it. Uh going back in and uh, referencing the stuff I mentioned about the Hellfire Gala and the X-Men um, trying to be like more socially conscious and part of the public eye. Things are not going great for them in this issue yeah. as of this issue. Well, it turns out when you uh, try and do good stuff for humanity, there's a group of people that are like, screw that. We f- hate everybody. <laughs> you know? Well, and it's not like, so I kind of don't want to spoil it. Cause don't it was spoil such a great scene. It. Don't spoil it. Don't spoil um, it. I won't, but, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's really good. This you guys, is, I, I liked it. This is way better than what we got last week. And it almost seems like Marvel endangered this issue a little bit with what they put out last week. Cause like, I was I don't just know like, why, like, why did we need a, a yeah, last don't week, do it. last Fight week's thing was essentially a 13th issue of the Eternals. Right. Don't do that. Just don't bother and with that. And if you want to do it like the same as this week, maybe as something else you can read fine, you know, but like leading off like that is bad look. And I wonder how many people are gonna be like, yep, still don't care about the Eternals. Screw it. This was good. This was way it more was interesting. There, there was a lot more action to it. There's a reason that is definitely spelled out as to why they're fighting. Cause last week in the intro, they were just kind of like, <laughs> let's kill the mutants. You know, like, uh, okay. Why? <laughs> like they definitely spell it out more here. It makes more sense. Gillen's doing a great job writing everyone. Valerio Skeety. Oh my God. Like top yeah, notch Marvel star. Amazing looking comic book. Given this a buy it, there is a lot to follow. The good news is it's going to interrupt your regular reading, whether you like it or not, because it's not just in the pages of this. It's going to run through everything. So it runs through October. The, the main in. event is six issues, and there, yeah, it's lots of tie-ins. It's a big, it's a big regular event by my call, <laughs> by my count. So. Yeah. Here we go. Let's jump out of the Marvel U and over to Image for Rogues Gallery. Number one, from Image Comics for $3.99, is written by Hannah Rose May with art by Justin Mason. Here is your solicit. Series premiere writer Hannah Rose May (laughs) makes her comic debut with rising star artist Justin Mason for an all-new series with Declan Shavley, who's only on the covers, by the way. The Purge meets Scream in a home invasion thriller that follows disenfranchised TV superhero actress Maisie Wade as she's terrorized by an unhinged group of intruders cosplaying her day job's arch-villains if Maisie's going to survive the night. She'll need to be the hero she has come to despise. Genre action and adventure. Why is genre in all caps? Horror thriller. Register pitch. The purge meets misery in a twist on the classic oh, slasher I think tale. I know why. It yeah. should have been genre colon action yes. adventure. Yeah, but they thriller. just sort of dropped it all in here. In fact, maybe it's we're not weird. Even, yeah, we might not even supposed to be reading this. I don't know. 
just when I thought Hannah Rose May was making some clever commentary on toxic fandom and how it treats the actors that play their favorite characters, she kind of pulled the rug out from under me. I did not read the solicit first. I just opened this, started reading. Rogue's Gallery is clever, more so than I thought during my first read. At first, I was losing interest listening to a group of shitty kids complain about the adaptation of their favorite comic stories to TV. Then I got a little too high and read it again. This time, I got paranoid that we've been doing the same thing on this show for more than 10 years, and just before I had a panic attack, I got to the last page again. I'm not sure where this story is going just yet, but it's not where I thought at all, and I've got to see what happens next. This is the first I've seen of Justin Mason's art, and he's incredible. He's got big weirdo style in the vein of Declan Shalvey, who supplied the main cover, but reminds me a little more of Daniel Warren Johnson's kind of sketchy action here and there. The book looks amazing, and more than half of it is complaining 20-something nerds, if that tells you anything. Rogue's Gallery is not at all what I thought it was going to be, honestly. I thought I might hate this while I was reading the book, but it turned out to be a subversive look at fandom and celebrity that looks like it's going to get messy fast. We'll see if I'm right next issue. I'm giving this a buy it because I think they're building something here. <clears throat> okay, so I didn't like this. I'm sorry. I didn't. You don't have to. And like, I, I appreciate that you read it more than once and that you liked it better the second time. I did not like this. I thought it was like aggressively toxic. And I understand that that was kind of the point. But... You know, you and I talked briefly uh, about my feelings over text. And I said, you know, you said, oh, well, like maybe they're going for a scream thing where like, the, you know, the toxic nerds. I end think up they being are because the, they mentioned the purge and, and scream. I get it. <laughs> yeah, and that's true. Like the difference between this and scream is that scream doesn't end. When the action starts, it's like tune in in two years for scream Two. It's well, like, sure. no. You get like the story keeps going like this. Now, the first issue has ended. It had one. It had it had 30 pages or however many to sell me on the concept. And I spent the first it was. So let's say it was 22 pages and I spent the first 20 pages actively hating everybody in it. And now it's gotten to the end and then it's like there's a twist. And I'm like, well, OK, but do I care? Like, do I even give a shit enough to, like, come back and, and see where that twist has gone? Or was I that turned off? Maybe I'll read the second one. I mean, but it's, a, like, it's I, a risk. I'll give you that. They're taking a risk and doing a yeah, thing. No, it's a, and that's the risk they take. And yeah. I guess, you know, more power to them for, for wanting to go in that direction. But, like, yeah, I was, like, so put off by these characters and, like. I know that you and I, like you, you compared them to the the way we behaved. But come on now, we we were never like that. We were never like so and so has to pay for ruining the. No, thing no, no, we no, love. no, not that like, far. None of that. I come just on meant, now. I just meant all the complaining and shit. <laughs> well, sure, like nerds are gonna complain. Right. Like fans are fans are gonna fan, but uh, like the worst part of the worst part of any fandom is the actual fans. Like everybody knows it, um, but. Uh, or, or, you know, like we always say, nobody hates fill-in-the-blank like people that love fill-in-the-blank. And uh, it rubbed me the wrong way. I, I do agree the art is very good. Maybe I'll try the second one and see where it's going. But based on how I felt reading the first issue, I got to only give this a skim it because I really, like, did not enjoy myself. Fair enough. Maybe they did too good of a job for you. Hmm? Maybe it's a little too real, Joe. 
that's the same thing as doing a bad job. <laughs> it's like you seasoned with authority, too much authority, <laughs> and now it's too salty. <laughs> Wrapping things up for this week is another Western that I am. You can't uh, get enough of this Western stuff, and I don't know where it's coming from. uh, Another uh, apparently supernatural Western. uh, We'll see. We'll see. It's Canary Number One from Comixology. It's written by Scott Snyder with art by Dan Panosian. And here's your solicit. When a horrific shooting disturbs the peace of a sleepy town in the Old West, Marshall Holt is called upon to investigate. But as Holt digs deeper, he discovers that evil may just run to the core, and it all seems to stem from a place called Canary. Like Matt said, it is a banner week for vaguely supernatural westerns, as today sees the release of Scott Snyder's latest comicsology original, alongside his artistic collaborator Dan Panosian. An unspeakable murder has been committed by a young boy in a backwater town in the Utah Territory. By all accounts, this is a sweet, well-behaved child, and this behavior is unthinkable. But something about the kid is definitely not right. Capital N, capital R. When the aforementioned Marshall Holt tries to take the boy in, one murder becomes a massacre, and the kid isn't the only one doing the killing. Let me be clear. Nothing overtly supernatural happens in this issue. There isn't even a talking bird that might be a hallucination. But if we aren't dealing with some kind of demonic situation, I will eat my hat. Yeah, something. I don't know. Snyder, like that kid's got cold, dead eyes and a joker grin. That's not normal. There might be something else going on too, like radiation that makes you crazy. I don't know. We'll see. Like maybe, maybe. We'll see. Snyder loves to do that stuff. You know, remember? It's true. The deep, that one that he wrote, they like turned it over. The deep, yeah. It's supernatural. It's supernatural. Nope. (laughs) Like, oh shit, it's just scary. Yeah. Snyder's protagonist is a cold-hearted asshole failing to live up to the legend of the dime novel adventures written about him. It's a bleak story led by a bleak man. And like Hayden Sherman with Above Snakes, Dan Panogian's gritty line art and radiant colors elevate the story beyond the dingy grays and muddy browns typical of the Western genre. Uh, this book, this comic is gorgeous. It really Holy is. cow, is it, it really beautiful. Is. Canary number one is a compelling first issue that has me hooked for whatever comes next, whether my demon theory pans out or not. I'm giving this a buy it. Yeah, this is a beautiful book. Panosian's great, and he's doing a real kind of like classic Western thing here in his style. You can see him sort of like looking back at old school Westerns, the way that he paces it and the way that he draws the panels and stuff. But goddamn, it is beautiful to look at. I love what they do with the colors and a lot of scenes where it's like, it's night, but he, you know, the marshal is in the woods following a blood trail. And when he finds a trail, the background is yellow. Like he discovered something and the leaf Mm -hmm. is blue and there's blood, you know, blood on the, on the blue leaf and man, great looking book. This is the Scott Snyder that we like. This is the Scott Snyder that we have fun with. The Scott Snyder that's not necessarily, you know, putting spikes on the Joker's head and making him eat Robin, (laughs) but just telling a cool story, you know? And I'm happy to see him working at this level again. This looks great. It read great. It's super creepy. It's nice to have Scott Snyder back. I'm giving this a buy it. I mean, I think it's probably fair to say that every creator is probably a little bit more invested in their own. Well, I don't know if that's fair because I'm not saying that he wasn't invested in what he was doing. I no, think- I'm not. I didn't say he wasn't invested. I said he's more invested. I like mean, his heart's in it more, right? Maybe, than maybe the, like- not. Maybe we just got this is what happens when Scott Snyder is in the DC universe. It's okay when they're not doing it to Superman. <laughs> you know? 
however many issues of yeah. Scott Snyder. Like, it was a lot, right. you know, like, and we all, we can all agree that, like, we loved the first year of Batman in the New 52. Yeah, it was great. So maybe Scott Snyder it, it just really prefers to tell more intimate stories or a smaller scope type stuff. That but, could be. Uh, again, we can't, who can say for sure, but yeah, this was very good. Need more new THN comic reviews? Check out our ludicrous speed reviews over at TwoHeadedNerd.com. If you want to know more about the comics we just talked about, check out our show notes where you can find links with more info and hit us up in the new comics channel of our Discord to give us your thoughts. Joey, before we move on, we need to pick one of these comics to enter the THN private collection. There is like a 33 and a third percent chance it's going to be a Western. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, uh, boy, you know, with the with the one exception, like this was just a good week of books that I enjoyed, but nothing that made me go, yeah, that's the one. Um, not that they weren't all, not that they weren't good. It's just like normally there's a standout and I didn't really have a standout. I think I'm going to give it to Above Snakes, though, just because I was really hooked into that story. And I thought that the art was just like mesmerizing. Fair. Fair. Um, we're 100% Westerns this week then, because I'm going to go Canary, because I think Canary is the one that had a story that really grabbed me that I am going to pay attention to. And I got excited about Scott Snyder again. I haven't had a chance to do that for a while. I'm into this one. I think it looks great. Red great. I yeah, need to I know mean, what's I'm going into, on. I'm here. into both of them. So, yeah. That's not to and say you know the other what? stuff wasn't great. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad. Yeah, of Axe, course. It, we, don't need to equi- we don't need to equivocate. Everybody right. knows how this works. But um, I will say this. It's a banner week for Hayden Sherman. Yeah, Dark Spaces, Wildfire, also by Scott Snyder. The first in the IDW originals came out this week, and he did the cover, one of the covers for, what was it? The Brother of All Men, number one from Aftershock. It was like the one in 15 cover. Big week for Sherman, so watch this dude. He's going to be famous. You heard it here first. THN, Hayden Sherman, you're welcome. Let's take a break from the heat and head up to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where I've frozen the whole sanctum with this knockoff Captain Cold gun I picked up on eBay. Grab a hot cocoa and let's curl up on the Wookiee fur rug by the fire and tell these nerds about what we're excited to read next week. It's just like that Tom and Jerry episode where they flooded the kitchen and they stuck the freezer coils in the water and then the ice skated I, around. Yeah, man. Oh, man. That's where, how do you think I got the idea? My pick for next week is DC Mech. I'm kidding. It's Superman Space Age number one from DC. It's $9.99. Uh, DC Mech looks really stupid. And it's the answer to like the Avengers Mech Go or whatever that was where they turned into robots. Yeah. Like, why? I, like, why do you need an answer for that? <laughs> Who is buying this? But Superman Children. Space Age number one is written by Mark Russell with art by Mike Alred. Here's your solicit. Meet Clark Kent, a young reporter who just learned the world will soon come to an end. Crisis on Infinite Earths. I don't know why it says that there. And there is nothing he can do to save it. Sounds like a job for his alter ego, Superman. After years of standing idle, the young man from Krypton defies the wishes of his fathers to come out to the world as the first superhero of the space age. As each decade passes and each new danger emerges, he wonders if this is the one that will kill him and everyone he loves. Superman realizes that even good intentions are not without their backlash as the world around him transforms into a place determined to destroy itself as he is 
is to save it. Uniting the critically acclaimed writer Mark Russell, who worked on One Star Squadron and the Flintstones, and Eisner winner Mike Alred, who worked on Silver Surfer, Bowie, Stardust, Ray Guns, and Moon Age Daydreams. For the first time, this series promises fans an unforgettable journey. You know that that was all one title, right? <laughs> Bowie, Stardust, Ray Guns, and Moon Age Daydreams. <laughs> yeah. Okay. This series promises fans an unforgettable journey through U.S. history and culture, starring our beloved characters. I don't know where this is taking place. It is not... A it's black not, label it's book. A, it's it's definitely some sort of elseworldy type it's thing. It's just some sort of elseworldy evergreen kind of thing. And it's Mark yeah. Russell and Mike Allred telling us the story of Superman. I think it's set a little more in regular history from kind of what I I'm think guessing. that it's using events from regular history yes. to tell a totally unrelated story. Like so you know you remember like uh this this kind of reminds me of um Spider-Man and Fantastic Four life story sort where of. it's like yeah here is a year in the life or a decade in the life of this character and here's a, another decade in the next issue and the next issue after that they're telling a story about Superman deciding to come out or to go public on the eve of crisis on infinite earths, which is not what happened. Right. Uh, like they're just using the crisis on infinite earths as a springboard to tell this story about Superman. And then every issue will be a new decade or something. The important part is it's Mark Russell and Mike Alred. For sure. Yeah. I mean, but yes, I I don't think that this is not something to worry about continuity. It's just a, a good story by some good old dudes. My pick for next week is Detective Comics number 1062. That's 1062. These Thank numbers you. are Thank you. <laughs> impossible. It's from DC. It's $4.99. It's written by Ram V with art by Raphael Albuquerque. Here is your solicit. It's Gotham Nocturne part one of four overture. It's a new era for the detective of the night as we introduce award-winning new series writer Ram V of Catwoman and the many deaths of Layla Starr and also The Swamp Thing. Weird that they did not give him The Swamp yeah, Thing. Yeah, that's your book, DC, you jerks. Right. But, I mean, hey, good for them. And it's great. And artist, extraord- and artist extraordinaire Raphael Albuquerque from American Vampire and Superman Batman. Together, they'll be turning Gotham into a tragic yet beautiful gothic opera for our eyes and ears to feast on. No, no ears. For it's ears. It's comic book. Yeah. yeah, no. It's like for your nose to feast on. Like what? Yeah, right. <laughs> Something is terribly wrong with Batman. No matter the tests Bruce takes, nor the numbers he counts, the greatest detective in the world can't pin down the source of his creeping dread of his own inner demons and a looming mortality. Just like me. Meanwhile, yeah. Meanwhile, real demons roam the shadows as an ancient melody haunts the Gotham Knight. Well, there, I guess there's your ears. Here now, the curtains rise, and as the eerie tune streams in, who is human, who is demon, who is to tell? As Batman investigates the songs and the demons of Gotham, he is forced to confront the oldest question, whether there has been a demon within him all along. Just like me. If so... What does it want? And why hasn't it taken over yet? Whoa. Yeah, this is some uh, gothic shit. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, Ram V and Raphael Albuquerque are coming onto Detective Comics and kicking the whole place apart. They're just, like, flipping all the tables over. And, like, it's got a new logo that looks like it looks like a friggin' Anne Rice uh, oh, yeah. book title logo. I love it. Um, but, yeah, it's just going to be this crazy, weird gothic like deep gothic 
examination of Batman's inner workings into it. Totally into it. Just like what Wooly Toots was saying last week on Cover to Cover where he was like mad that like, you know, Batman, like, does he even need a title? Should we just tell stories? You can do this. You can just tell a story in Detective Comics and just flip, freak out, go nuts. You got another book where Batman's doing cool shit. Chip Zdarsky's writing it. It's very, you know, Batman as we know it. This is another Batman title drawn by one of the best in the business with mm-hmm. a writer that I friggin' love. And I am so proud of Ram V for getting this job. And I think it's kick ass that DC is just going to let him tell a crazy story. That's great. It's still Batman. Yeah. It's just an examination of something weird that's happened in detective. I love it. I'm in. Me too. And it's a DC trifecta because the THN trade of the week for next Wednesday is Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow, the trade paperback. It's 1999. It's from DC. It's written by Tom King with art by Bilkis Evley. Here's your solicit. Kara Zor-El can no longer find any meaning or purpose in her life, but all that changes when an alien girl seeks her out to help her take revenge on the bad guys who destroyed her world. Now, a Kryptonian, a dog. Uh, technically a Kryptonian dog, and an angry, heartbroken child head into space on a journey that will shake them to their very core. Supergirl, like you've never seen her before in a character-defining sci-fi fantasy masterpiece, collects the entire miniseries. Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow, one through eight. Now, for those of you who only listen every once in a while, there's a good chance that you've just caught us bitching about Tom King's Batman, because we did it a lot, (laughs) right? Yeah, no, that's true. But... If you listen every week, you will know that our mileage varies with Tom King, and sometimes he does the best stuff in the world. This Supergirl story was so great, and the art by Evely is gorgeous. She yes, is, it is coming up. She is one to pay attention to. If you've never seen her, pick this up. And this is one of those books I will challenge people, including myself, who say, like, I don't care about Supergirl. Supergirl doesn't do anything for me. Read this. Read this. It's a great take on the character. It's cool what they're doing with her. And I love they call it Woman of Tomorrow instead of just being Supergirl. You know, she's growing up a little bit here. This is fun. Go pick this up. Oh, well, yeah, because the first issue takes place on our 21st birthday. Yeah. And it's super cute. Yep. You can find links with more info on our picks in our show notes. And we always post our must-read picks on our Discord, on our Twitters, and our Facebook every Wednesday. So you can make an informed buying decision at your local comic shop. But you may be saying, you know what? I don't trust you guys anymore. You picked some of the stuff. I went and I read it. I did not like it. We would love to hear from you. Or maybe you agree with us and you thought it was great. Either way, we'd love to hear from you. Hit us up on our Discord. Jump into cover to cover. Let's talk some comics, all right? Come on. Yeah, what are you, coward? I'm sorry, I wasn't sure how confrontational we were getting. Yeah, like, you always end up shaming them into talking to us. (laughs) Sorry, sorry. Like, I never know how hot, like, how hot I should come in. Before we get out of here, it's time for a sneak peek of our Patreon Extra. When you support THN on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month, you get access to all kinds of extra content. Like this edition of Comic Pushers. Welcome to THN Comic Pushers, where we put highly addictive comics in the hands of quivering comic junkies. And this time, we've got one from north of the border. It's an OG Canadian listener, Mr. Patrick Gauthier, and he called in 
with perhaps our biggest challenge yet. One that we have never ventured into, Joe Patrick. Let's see what he's got. Is it is it our biggest challenge yet? Sure. Everyone is bigger than the last. Oh, okay. Got it. We gotta keep him guessing. Come on. Uh, sure, Patrick sure. Yeah. From Canada, aka the GOAT, uh, MP3ing in. Uh, so big news um, from the Great White North. Uh, DC Infinite is finally available. Uh, launched up here a few weeks ago. Got myself a subscription and have been spending a bunch of time rereading all my old favorite stuff. Uh, sorry for my dog. Uh, rereading all my favorite stuff. Uh, Superman, Triangle Era books, uh, Hitman, Morrison's JLA, all sorts of stuff from like the late 90s and early aughts. Zero Hour, uh, maybe my favorite uh, event. Um, but now I need I need some recommendations uh, for where I should go next. Uh, my first comic was um, actually The Flash number 53 uh, that you all reviewed on the Cosmic Long Box last week. And so post-crisis DC, uh, I'm, the silver you know, squid. most of it, all of it, as much as one can. Uh, I read a ton of it. Uh, and then New 52, I wasn't quite as into. I read a bunch of it, but ultimately decided uh, most of it wasn't for me. Uh, and then I was really excited uh, about Rebirth when Rebirth came, but it, that excitement didn't actually translate into me buying many or reading many titles. Um, so maybe this is an Ask a Nerd question. Maybe it's a comic pushers question. I, I'm not sure. It's but a comic pushers question. That's I'm why we're just here. curious. <laughs> uh, I'm looking for recommendations uh, for uh, post-Rebirth uh, DC titles that are available uh, on the app. Um, I've read about 60. So there we are. Post-Rebirth titles that are on you know, the app. Now You we, don't think that it was worth finishing the rest of his uh, the rest of it, brief thing? He, we already played it on cover to cover once, too. So. All right, whatever. The point being, we decided we were going to try and stick as close to the actual Rebirth, which was like May 2016 as possible. Not necessarily suggest stuff that came out in the last couple of years. We're reaching back yeah, a little bit. Yeah, like Rebirth, like Rebirth is kind of over, right? right. Like I'm not sure what we're calling now we're Now we're in the infinite frontier or yeah. whatever we're calling it. Um, but it, like, so DC Universe Rebirth was a one shot by Jeff Johns and Gary Frank um, and Phil Jimenez, I believe. Yes. Yeah. Basically, that was the return of the original Wally West. Right. From the continuity graveyard that was the New 52 and the first indicator that DC was turning the erasure of their legacy characters into a feature, not a bug. Right. They decided, so to speak. We're sorry about the new 52 thing. Some of it was fun, but we're done with it. (laughs) Right. We had some, we had some laughs. We got some new feet and we got some, you know, some butts in the seats, but let's, yeah. We'd like to sleep with our ex-boyfriends and girlfriends again. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. And so basically DC rebirth, uh, DC universe rebirth opened the door for a return to the legacy aspect of DC comics, specifically a return to characters like, um, the justice society, Wally West and the flash family, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The, idea that superman you know is married to lois and you know they've and they've got like a super son and and all that fun stuff yeah the idea that tim drake was robin you know which we kind of tried to ignore for, more for a while a, for more than a week maybe you know? right yeah and oh yeah also yes very, perhaps most importantly the idea that the dc universe was more than five years old <laughs> yeah. dc rebirth basically led to another line-wide relaunch of all of the titles uh with the exceptions of of the the ongoing legacy titles, action comics and and detective comics, and um, so Patrick's question: What are the DC Rebirth and Beyond books that are worth reading? And Matt and I have come up with I think some pretty great choices, but they're not all necessarily DC Universe books. 
Um, okay, I mean, like, all of mine... Well, yeah, I see what you're saying. I see where you're going here. No, yeah. your first book okay. is not a DC it's a, Universe It's an old-school DC character that they relaunched But it is not a DC young Universe animal, book. Right, so Young Animal was one of their pop-up imprints uh, that Gerard Way was sort of steering. You it know, was kind of a Vertigo-esque yeah. side imprint where you would find books like Doom Patrol. Gerard Way was the, put the in charge Doom Patrol, of the yeah. Doom Patrol, and you might recognize his name as the, the creator of the Umbrella Academy. He also sang in a shitty band that I'm not going to name, but regardless... As my chemical romance. Gerard Way and John Rivera co-wrote and gave us Cave Carson Has a Cybernetic Eye with art by Michael Avon Oming. We'd get 12 issues of this. There'd be a six-issue follow-up that was just John Rivera called Cave Carson Has an Interstellar Eye. Now, if you don't know about Cave Carson, that's not your fault. <laughs> Cave Carson is not a character that you see in the DC Universe very often. So they got to do what ever they wanted with this ridiculous golden age character. That is it for THN 671. Next week, the Cosmic Longbox is back and it's forcing us to review back issue comics based on a theme. You'll just have to wait and see what it is. If you want to wrap about this week's episode, comics you are currently reading, or maybe some you read a long time ago, or any of the weekly nerdy news that we are following in our nerd news channel over in our Discord, hit us up on our live call-in show, THN Cover to Cover. We do it every Saturday. Not this Saturday, but normally every Saturday it happens. We do it most Saturdays. <laughs> At 11 Central Time. You can watch the broadcast on Facebook, but if you want to play along, you got to join our Discord, and we will teach you how to chat or talk with us live on the show and we set it up for you. Maybe you don't have anything to talk about. Maybe you're nervous. Guess what? We've got a question of the week just for you. That's right. And this week's question is courtesy of Todd Turner, a.k.a. Mosaic Fan Art via Discord. There's a, there's a theme to all this whole end section, and it's Discord, Discord, Discord. You should maybe start paying attention there to you it. Go. Take it away, Todd. Quote, I love the show Station Eleven on HBO Max, and a graphic novel is at the center of that story, but that graphic novel does not exist in real life. What is your favorite comic book or comic book property that does not exist except in another media form? So like Man Boy what from is the your Simpsons. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Radioactive like radio radioactive man. Radioactive man would have been a radioactive great. man, because that's my answer. <laughs> uh, well, but one. they ended up making many, many, many radioactive yeah, but we man comics. They could make comics about you. Yes, like, but like so comic books that got their start in another media form that did not exist in our reality. Sure. Fake or like, comic books. Or superhero characters and stuff like that that don't, you know, that only yeah, exist characters, in the Yeah, characters reality. are comic books. Yeah, and like, don't worry too much about it if they eventually made comic books about yeah, them whatever. as long as, as long as that they got their start in another media and, and we just love the idea so much that we had to make comics of it. That's, that's fine. But yeah, fake comic books from other properties, other types of media. Please keep your question of the week suggestions coming. You can uh, post them anywhere that uh, we can be reached, be that Facebook, Twitter. Um, you can use the contact THN um, contact form on twitter.com. You remembered. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, you can also use our Discord, which is where the majority of the questions have been uh, coming from these days. Uh, and uh, one note about the Discord, you can engage with it as much or as little as you want. So if you're hesitant to sign up for the Discord because you don't think that you have anything to contribute, 
Just go hang out. Lurk. Sure. It's at your lurk own around. speed, Bubba. Lurk up, lurk up, and lurk down. You know, whatever. That's that's right. If you can't be on Cover to Cover Live, shoot an MP3 to twoheadednerd at gmail.com or leave a message on the THN hotline. That number is 402-819-4894. We will make you internet famous. That is a guarantee. Patrick Gauthier. Look at him. In Just like Patrick Gauthier. There's a reason he's the GOAT. Uh, please do keep your recorded messages on the shorter side. We like to share the air with all of the people that call in to play live. Uh, so if you have to send in a recording, keep it short. If you're new to this show and you'd rather shoot us a new butthole than listen to any more, I assure you it's only because you haven't heard enough. The good news is you can hear the entire run of THN in our digital longbox archive at TwoHeadedNerd.com. If you read Above Snakes, you will get that joke. THN is a listener-supported podcast. It would not be possible without the generosity of donors like our newest patron, Mary Martos, another patron from Australia, the land of Oz, where everything is upside Again, down and crazy. I don't know if at the end of the month we end up giving them money just like toilet water going sure backwards. But we are number one in Canada, and I believe we're number two in Australia. you got to get with it, United States. Come yeah, on, guys. we're number two in a lot of Serious, places. man. If you like what you hear every week, it's easy to support the show. You can sign up to be a patron at patreon.com backslash two-headed nerd. You may have just heard us talking about it. We're desperate for your money. Where you'll hear all kinds of exclusive content, or you can just make a one-time donation via PayPal because you're just a sweetheart. You're you're a monk that wanders the earth. You need nothing. You want nothing extra from us. You just want to give us your financial joy. <laughs> you're naturally kind-hearted, like all Canadians and Australians. It's true. Before we go, our weekly shout-out goes to Man of Action Joe Kelly and his wife Gina, who celebrated their silver anniversary on Tuesday. Yeah, the big 2-5. Wow. Happy anniversary, you crazy kids. Until next time, true believers, remember to pre-order your comics or your retailer might just try and sell you a fake Ben 10 watch that doesn't turn you into an alien, but it does give you another butthole. This is the Two-Headed Nerd. Signing off. Butthole, butthole, like butthole. You, like I, I like how you kind of like there's a butthole the theme. streams there in that. There's a butthole theme going on here. Uh, there's a real butthole theme, yeah. Butthole, buttholes and westerns. Shut your the, <laughs> it, 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 if we were still giving titles to episodes, this week's title would be Buttholes and Westerns. The banner week for supernatural westerns and buttholes. <laughs> or, supernatural, or supernatural western buttholes is vaguely, the title of the episode. Vaguely supernatural western Vaguely buttholes. supernatural western buttholes. We got there. That's why we're a team, Matt. There it is. That's why we're a team. That's why we're number two in Australia, goddammit. it. Go. <laughs>